Now, first of all, let me uh, say I'm sorry that I wasn't here last week. I, it wasn't that I slept in. I got up, but I uh, fell down almost. I was very ill all night uh, last Tuesday night, and uh, uh, so I uh, spent the day in bed. And uh, it was a stomach flu, but uh, somehow or another, uh, whenever I get the flu, it doesn't make any difference where I get it. Sooner or later, it makes its way to my throat. And uh, so I'm a little raspy uh, this morning, but uh, we're going to plug along and see what we can do. In Proverbs chapter 11, in verse 16, incidentally, appreciate John's willingness to get a call at uh, 5.15 in the morning and um, jump out of bed and get ready and come down here and uh, pinch hit. Appreciate that so very, very much. Proverbs chapter 11 and uh, verse 16, a gracious woman attains honor and violent men attain riches. Now, again, the principle that is being spelled out in this verse is that ruthlessness is not the only way to the top. The, the basic idea behind the whole thing is that there are two there are two things that a man searches after um, most men in the world first of all go after riches and uh, after they have attained riches then they look for honor and um, the top rung on the ladder is to be honored uh, you just start looking around at uh, uh, the new well just look in the newspaper at uh, men that have accumulated mass fortunes. They're now in a position where they're doing things that will get them recognition. And the principle is that, that riches are one thing, honor is better, uh, and the woman who is gracious receives honor. The person who goes after riches falls short of ever receiving honor. He may attain his riches, but if he goes after his riches violently, if he goes after riches through ruthlessness, then in the process he will stop short of attaining the honor that he ultimately desires. And uh, along with that honor, of course, comes power and this kind of thing. It's one reason why a lot of people uh, uh, go for being a politician, because they, they, they've made their fortune as far as wealth is concerned. Now they want the honor. And so... Men look for satisfaction in these two things, but they fall short and uh, are, are not nearly as valuable as the woman who attains honor. Now, uh, we talked a little bit about some of the characteristics of this woman who is a gracious woman, some of the things that are involved in the book of Proverbs uh, with this uh, idea of being gracious. And uh, then we came to this word, retaineth. A couple weeks ago, when I was here and we were together, and the word obtaineth, uh, retaineth, is tamak. Tamak. Uh, attains is the way it's uh, uh, translated in the New American Standard. The word means to sustain. It can mean to maintain. It can mean to reach uh, a, a goal. Uh, the main idea is that of grasp securely. To grasp securely. It's often used with uh, a parallel word, which is uh, ahaz. You have to always, when you're studying Hebrew, you have to pay attention to the parallel words when there is a parallel in, in Hebrew poetry you want to pay attention to the parallel word because it gives additional light on the, on the word that you find uh, before it. So the word ahaz means to seize. And that's a parallel word that is often used um, with this word. Uh, if you look over at Proverbs chapter 3, for example, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, she is a tree of life, wisdom, speaking of wisdom here. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, tamak. A parallel 
and happy are all who hold her fast. Ahaz. All right? So there's a parallel idea here, and those two words are, are comparable for all practical purposes, and yet each carries a little different shade of meaning. Now, the word tamak is usually used to deal with moral matters or spiritual truth. For an example, uh, the, the uh, thinking son holds fast to his father's wise words. Look at that at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 4. Then he taught me and said to me, now this again is uh, the, the father instructing his son, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart tamak, let it hold fast my words, keep or guard my commandments and live. And so uh, again, you're to hold fast those wise words of the father. Uh, Proverbs uh, 3.18 uh, is again the idea of, uh, of, of uh, happiness coming as a result of holding fast uh, to wisdom. And uh, so you could say also that when a person grasps, grasps wisdom securely, uh, he is made happy. And uh, Proverbs 29.23, Proverbs 29.23 says this, a man's pride uh, will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Humble spirit will obtain honor. Now, this is something I, I'm going to touch on Sunday morning. It's so fresh in my mind, I can't uh, resist mentioning it right here uh, because it fits so well with this idea of attaining honor. And uh, so this will be a preview of something that we'll share from the life of Joseph um, Sunday morning. But we want, we want you to understand that there are two ways that a person can go in, in any, in any uh, uh, situation. He can lean to his own understanding or he can trust in the Lord. You know that comes from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. When a man wants honor, he is going to, he is going to be, be looking for a way to attain honor and the world, the world sees to it that a man can reach toward honor in the direction of honor by getting the, getting the praise of men. If, you, if a man can do something, he'll get the praise of men. He is elevated to that place that is in the direction, the general direction of up, honor. He is placed on a pedestal. He's got the praise of men. The interesting thing is that when a person has the praise of men, Scripture says he doesn't have the praise of God. When a man has the praise of men, he doesn't have the praise of God. One reason is because when you have the praise of men, it leads to pride. And when an individual has pride, the scripture says God resists the proud. Now, the man is moving in the general direction of receiving honor, but he is, he is actually run into a serious roadblock. Because God is going to resist him now. Okay? Well, now you can't resist God. And what, what Scripture says is, He that is exalted shall be abased. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. God's way up is down. So what God says is that an individual should trust the Lord. Now, when you trust the Lord, you can count on something. You can count on being oppressed by men. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You can count on that. It's going to, be a, it, it's going to happen as sure as the world. Men, eventually, as you trust the Lord, are going to put you down. I know people that have lost jobs because they're believers. I know people that have, have not received promotions in their work because they were believers. 
I know people that have been, been passed by as far as opportunities because they were believers, because of their testimony, because of their witness. And we've seen this over the years of our ministry. We've seen this time and time again. If you trust in the Lord, you're going to be oppressed by men. But now remember, what's our goal? To get to the top, right? To be honored. Okay? So when you're oppressed by men, what happens? You're humbled. Now, when you're oppressed by men, you become, you're humbled and thrown upon the Lord to trust Him more. And what does He do? Well, He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Now, you see, the thing that, I, that, that really is needed is not honor. It's grace. Okay? But God gives grace to those that are humble. So instead of being resisted by God, we have God pouring His grace into us. Now... If that individual receives grace, then it throws you in even more dependence upon God. Paul, when he had thorn in the flesh, he said, my, uh, he, he, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Well, when you realize that, then you want to be humbled all the more. You want to depend upon God all the more. All the more. What happens? He gives you more grace. And... Whereas he that is proud will be abased, he that is humble will be exalted. And so you see, when an individual chooses to trust the Lord rather than go his own way, he's oppressed by men. The, the short-range uh, situation is going to uh, going to make him feel as though, man, I'm never going to make it. Nobody loves me. I get no respect <laughs> simply because. You're, you're being oppressed by men. It's no fun. But the point is, it is the way up. Because as you go down, 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 you get more grace and more grace and more grace. And God says He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And the, that the those that are, are proud will be abased and those that are humbled will be exalted. And Scripture has a lot to say about the person that is exalted as to what he is exalted to. There are benefits that accrue here on earth and in glory. Whereas if the individual scratches his way clear up to the point of pride, almost to the top rung of the ladder, he'll come short because he'll never get what he's after. Ultimately, he will be a base. You see, there's a way that seems right to a man, the end there of the ways of death. Just because something seems right. And I know if you look around at the track record of your company, you know it seems right that you ought to claw your way to the top and leave bodies strewed everywhere in the process. That if you're going to make it, you can't care about the other guy, you've got to grasp for the top. And if you don't grasp for the top, you're in trouble. And so what do you do? You resort to carnal methods? You resort to, to uh, sometimes dishonest things or at least questionable things? You, you, you play the game the way the world plays the game all the time thinking, well, you know, I've, had, I've heard people say, if I could just attain this position, then I'd have it made, and what a testimony I could be. Because, you know, it doesn't work that way. The way to be a testimony is to trust the Lord. And when you do, you're not going to gain popularity with the world. But you, the Scripture says that promotion cometh not from the east nor from the west, but promotion cometh from the Lord. Ultimately, it's the Lord who promotes. And His way is always right. Well, in this particular case, the man who is humble attains honor. That's the principle behind this whole, uh, this whole thing. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. If you want honor, then you're going to receive it through a humble spirit. Again, this, this word uh, tamak that is being used here is used in chapter 5, verse 5, where it says that an adulteress lays hold on the grave. She seizes tightly the grave. She, the uh, adultery leads to death. And the wicked, in chapter 5, verse 22, are held fast by their sin. If a believer lays hold on God's path, uh, Psalm 17, 5, then he's going to have God's reward. Isaiah 33 and verse 15. 
So we have a gracious woman here who lays hold of honor. Now the word honor is um, used 376 times in the Hebrew Bible. 64 of those times in the Psalms. 63 of them in Isaiah. 33 in the book of Exodus. 25 in the book of Ezekiel. 24 in the book of Proverbs. You can see the great bulk of, of this uh, particular word is used in those uh, those texts of Scripture, the Psalms, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, uh, Proverbs, and the book of Exodus. So 24 times in the book of Proverbs. The word is the word K-A-B-O-U-D, kabod, which means simply to be weighty, to be heavy. It's that which is, is, uh, has weight to it. Um, the idea being that the heavier metals are the most precious of the metals. And um, the word was a, an assayer's term that would indicate value by weight. And uh, it's, a, it's a word that, that uh, was used of a person who was, uh, came to be used of a person who was weighty in society. Uh, that is honored. And uh, we would say uh, that the person has an impact, okay? Uh, that's the kind of uh, use of the idiom we would use today. When a person has an impact, uh, it means that they have they've made their dent on society. Well, the Hebrews use the idea of weight rather than impact, but that's the, the general principle behind it. Um, the, the person is worthy of respect, uh, worthy of honor. Um, the only time that we could find that the term is used literally, or it literally means weight, um, is over in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 18. The setting of that is where um, Eli um, received word uh, that Hophni and Phinehas, his two sons, had been killed in the battle. And uh, it says that he fell over backwards, broke his neck, and died because he was very heavy. There's something about that that I think you should know. The, the um, uh, priest Eli uh, and his two sons were given explicit directions as to what part of the meat from the sacrifice was allowed for them to eat. And they could never have gotten fat on what God gave them. It would have been a healthy, balanced diet. But the sons of Eli were guilty of a number of sins. First of all, they were guilty of taking the, the portion of the meat that should have been burned before the Lord. And then it's, the scripture says that Eli did too. Sons went further and, and committed all kinds of adultery and, and uh, uh, they also uh, violently seized uh, the, uh, the meat from the people. Uh, rather than following the prescribed order. There were a number of other things involved in those men. But Eli probably was overweight because he'd been taking some extra and uh, put his hand in the Lord's uh, pot. But uh, he partially died uh, because of the death of his sons, partially died because he fell backward, and partially died because he was too fat. And uh, that's got to be a good lesson for us. Of course... Scripture in the New Testament particularly speaks out a lot about gluttony and so it's very, very important that we uh, recognize that particular sin. But uh, that place, and then, did I say there were only one? Actually two. That is the place where it's used literally. The other is where they weighed the hair of Absalom. And, um, and that was in Second Samuel chapter 14, verse 26, uh, where they weighed the hair of Absalom and it was very heavy. Those two places, they actually took something, put it on a scale in a sense, and it literally meant weight. But all of the other times where the word is used, it is used uh, in, in the, the sense of honor, in the sense of, of uh, uh, a place of, uh, of real respect. In the purely secular sense, a person who had wealth was honored to some degree. But Proverbs makes, makes it very clear that this is no criteria. The trappings of glory without the weightiness of character 
is really an offense to life. We want to look at a couple of texts that say that. In essence, Proverbs 21, 21. The weightiness of character is the important thing, not the wealth or the riches, even though a man may buy his way uh, to some honor. It says, He that pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. And that's the thing that will get you honor. Righteousness. Not a matter of unrighteousness. Loyalty. A loyal uh, attitude. That of character. That's going to give you life, righteousness, and it will eventually give you the honor. Proverbs 22 verse 4. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Now what more do you want? What do we say about humility? You go down by being oppressed by men because you are trusting the Lord and God has given to you the assurance that eventually that way will lead to riches, it will lead to honor, and it will lead to life. So God's way up is down. You can count on that. Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. And verse 1. Like snow in summer. Imagine that. Snow in summer. Not very desirable, right? And like rain in harvest. Really lousy. So honor is not fitting for a fool. If you're a fool, if you are guilty of being foolish, then you do, that individual does not at all deserve honor. He doesn't wear it well. Look down in, in verse 8. Like one who binds a stone in a sling, so is he who gives honor to a fool. That's why you've got to be careful who you elect to high office. Men that are going after office generally are seeking for honor. And uh, you better be careful you don't honor a fool. Because you get a fool into political office and uh, you're going to, you're going to have all kinds of, of problems. Now those are just some examples, but there, there's a lot more in the book of Proverbs about this whole matter of honor. Uh, you could see also that wisdom possesses honor. Chapter 3, verse 16. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Now notice, riches and honor. Riches first, honor second. Generally speaking, that's what you find. Uh, the, the idea again being that riches, you know, we, we, get, we, we, we have a funny idea about riches because we fail to realize, as the psalmist realized, that he, that is Christ, God, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That he is the possessor of heaven and earth. That all things, get this, all things were made by him and for him. In the book of Revelation, you have a seven seal scroll. The seven seal scroll is a title deed to the world. Who is worthy to open that scroll? The angel weeps. No one's worthy. How could... What's going to happen if nobody is worthy? Just then the lamb that looks like a lion appears. Strange analogy, isn't it? Christ as a lamb and a lion appears. And the whole, all of heaven cries out, He is worthy to open the book. And Christ, seal by seal, will open the title deed of this earth. He will take possession of what is rightfully His. <coughs> that, has, that will include your bank account, it will include your property. And it's His. It always was His. It will always be His. And man may have usurped it temporarily. God gave it to him as a stewardship. And man's, man has done just like Christ's parable told about. When the master came back and said, uh, Where's the fruit from the property I loaned you? And man says, Loan me? What do you mean? This is mine. I got it. And God backs off until such a time as it's right 
And then he says, now, I'm going to take it. And throws you out. Right? You're going to be evicted. So don't think there's anything that's got real value here. The thing that really counts is whether or not when you get to glory, you will be honored. Riches is nothing. I tell people over and over again, I wish that we could convince ourselves of it. Everybody's talking about the price of gold. God paves his streets with the junk. And it's, it's nothing. As far as he's concerned, we're going to drive our fiery chariots right down that gold street, all right? And all of a sudden, gold will not be important. He builds his buildings with it. I mean, it's, it's so much surplus junk. As far as he's concerned, it has some value for building materials and, and asphalt. But you see, it's not going to be of supreme importance in heaven. But what your character is, is going to matter. It's going to matter in glory. So, wisdom possesses honor. Now, if you look at chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 18, you'll see this. This now is wisdom again speaking. See? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you have wisdom, there are all kinds of, of uh, side benefits that come as a result. Notice what it says. Uh, starting in verse uh, 14 as an example. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. Power is mine. By me or in me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. That's why Christ, Christ said that uh, in Luke that we are to seek the true riches. True riches. Riches that have some real value. Lay out, not up for yourself. Treasure on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself rather treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Chapter 3, verse 35. The wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. Look at chapter 15, verse 33. Chapter 15. Verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Before honor comes what? Humility. Before honor comes humility. Most people today believe before honor comes pride. I read an interesting uh, thing in the Evangelical Newsletter the other day. Probably six months ago now. But... Um, he was saying that there's, there's some social scientists that have made an extensive study on the whole matter of self-esteem, a scientific study. Now, it's been assumed, according to their study, it's been assumed that the, the pe that people in the United States um, have a tremendous self-image problem. They said they're absolutely right, but they're absolutely wrong in terms of what it is. Because what they've been saying is that most Americans have this image problem, an inferiority complex. They say that's not true of the American people. According to their study, we suffer from a, from a superiority complex, not an inferiority complex. I know there's a lot about it. In fact, there's a brand new book. I just got it the other day because some uh, person who was concerned about the country gave a lot of money to a particular person. Uh, and uh, and and he, uh, with this sent out thousands of these books on self-esteem. And uh, he actually says in the book that the problem with people today, unbelievers, is not sin. It's an image problem. If they could only believe in themselves, then they would be able to believe in God and have a relationship with Him. It's a weird 
thing, you see. But nevertheless, that's a, that's a common idea. Everybody needs somebody to help them with their self-image. Now, I admit there are a lot of people that I know that have a self-image problem. But what they discovered was this, that when they asked a person how they would fare on a particular project, they always exaggerated what they were going to be able to do. They always said, I'll be able to do thus and so, even though they undoubtedly would, be, would, would come in lower than that. They asked, for instance, college students, you know, what kind of a grade uh, they anticipated they would have on such and such a test. And they put down a certain figure, and then they tested them. <laughs> and they actually found out. They did not have the ability to do what they thought they, they would be able to do. Anyway, as a result of this, they, they said that there's a whole, we've got to take a whole new look at this matter of self-image. Because people generally are proud. They think they're something. Scripture says, don't think of your, that you're something when you're nothing. There was old Dr. Lewis Berry Chafer spoke in a meeting one night and a woman came up to him afterward and, and tears in her eyes and she said, Oh, Dr. Chafer, pray for me that I'll become nothing. Nothing. And Dr. Chafer in his inimitable way said, My dear, you are nothing. Take it by faith. Well, all right. Really, we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but we're to think sanely. When you think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, remember, that's a little bit of insanity. The fact is that apart from the grace of God, we wouldn't have very much at all. Admittedly, we are human beings, and as somebody said, God doesn't make no junk. So I'm something. Well, that's true. God, but sin has made junk out of the something that God made. That's the problem. And because of that, we are in a desperate plight and desperately need dependence upon God and that basically is humility. And the way you humble yourself in the, under the mighty hand of God so that He can exalt you in due time is by trusting Him even though that causes the oppression of men. So just keep in mind, it's humility first, honor second, and the gracious woman and you've got to understand this is written on a backdrop where women were not thought of highly. That is, the woman was given a... a you know, they, they might have really protested in that day if they would have been able to because uh, there were a lot of male chauvinists around then. And uh, they, the, the, woman, the woman was really put down. The man was given the place of honor. But here's a woman who, who gains honor and how does she gain it? By being gracious. And if a woman can gain honor by graciousness, then a man in that society would be able to gain it even easier than the woman by having the right kind of character. Humility first, and then comes the honor. Now, chapter 20. Chapter 20 and verse 2. I think I made a mistake there. Yep, we'll skip that. Whoops, it's the next one. It's verse 3. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man. But any fool will quarrel. Now there's an aspect of the character that will bring honor. The man who knows how to, to stop a fight rather than, than uh, uh, perpetuate it. Quarreling is not necessarily the, the, the way to attain honor. Chapter 25 in verse 2. 25 Two, it is the glory of God to conceal a manner, but the glory of kings is to search out a manner. There, I, got, I missed that one for sure. Okay, 25.2. I'm going to have to check that. Um, 20, 25.27. It is, it is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glory to search out one's own glory. There's a, there is a sense in which when a man seeks honor as an end in itself, that it brings him to dishonor. You can't purchase honor. You can't even uh, uh, finagle honor from other people. The place of real honor comes as a result of proper character. 
When you have the right kind of character, ultimately you receive the right kind of honor. Now, let me give you some examples from Scripture of those that attained honor. In fact, some women who attained honor. Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. And uh, verse 4. This is a passage talking about a woman by the name of Deborah. And it introduces us in verse 4. She was one of the women judges that is found in the book of Judges. There were no men God could, uh, God had available. He called some very distinctive women in the book of Judges. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lipidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinom, of Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Behold, the Lord, the God of Israel, has commanded, Go and march to Mount Tabor, and take with you ten thousand men from the sons of Naphtali and from the sons of Zebulun. Now, rather than, than reading the whole thing, let me first of all say that in the book of Judges, you have the history of Israel in cycles. The people of Israel would fall into sin, usually idolatry and other related things, such as immorality and, and uh, child sacrifice and all of those things. They would get involved in doing that. And uh, God would allow the Philistines, usually the Philistines or the Midianites or others like this, to come down upon the people of Israel and uh, to uh, bring them under bondage, under oppression. And uh, the, uh, the people of Israel would eventually get tired of the bondage, would call upon the Lord, the Lord would raise up a judge, and the judge would deliver the people of Israel. And then the people of Israel would go along for a little while, then they'd slip back into idolatry, and uh, when they did, then they would be again uh, uh, conquered by the armies round about them, and again they'd cry to the Lord, and the Lord would send them another judge, and that judge would deliver them, and be alright for a little while, then they'd fall back again. One thing we learn from history is we never learn from history. And uh, they just followed this cycle, and that's the book that's the whole book of, of Judges. In fact, that's the whole history of Israel, if you look at it. The only difference is that happened under Judges, and then after the book of Judges comes the kings, first of all Saul, and then David, Solomon, and on down the line. And uh, so rather than having Judges, then there were kings. But uh, it, the cycles were pretty much the same. Deborah was one that was raised up in this time of great apostasy, and she was leading the people forth. And they did win a great victory over Sisera. And uh, the Lord routed him out, all of his chariots, and, and all under the direction of this godly woman. And uh, it says in verse 7 of chapter 5 uh, that the peasantry ceased. They ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, until I rose a mother in Israel. Now you may recall that Golda Meir was given the title, the mother of Israel. And it came from the book of Judges because uh, Golda Meir led the people through some very serious crisis in the land of Israel and she was likened to Deborah. Now obviously Golda Meir was not a godly woman. Um, in fact, near, uh, near an atheist uh, in her own right. But uh, nevertheless, she picked up that title because her exploits were compared to Deborah's. Deborah is uh, thought of even yet today in Israel as the great mother of Israel in the sense that she delivered the people in that uh, particular time. She was given honor as a result of her own character and the leadership that she showed among the people of Israel. Now another one is Esther. And you're all familiar with the story of Esther, I'm sure. Esther also was involved in uh, delivering the people. Uh, and uh, in the process, she attained great honor. She was willing to go into the presence of the king at the risk of her own life. 
in order to spare the people. And that, of course, was the occasion of the Feast of Purim uh, that is cel was celebrated by Israel uh, to honor the fact that Esther had delivered her people. Esther chapter 9, verse 12 says, And the king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and 10 sons of Haman in Susa the capital. What then have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? It shall be even granted you. And what is your further request? It shall also be done. Then said Esther, If it pleases the king, let tomorrow also be granted to the Jews who are in Susa to do according to the edict of today and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. Verse 25, When it came to the king's attention, he commanded by letter that his wicked scheme, which he had devised, that is, Haman's wicked scheme, against the Jews should return to his own head and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. That was the exploit that Esther did. And so, as a result of that, the Jews then celebrate the Feast of Purim as, as an honor, a thanking the Lord, obviously, but also as a, a thanks uh, to the, uh, to the uh, Queen Esther and to, to her seed simply because of their place in this matter of the deliverance of the people of Israel. She was a woman who was blessed, a woman who was honored, a woman who had character and utilized uh, that character in the deliverance of her people. Another one is mentioned in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 3, where it's talking there about wives being submissive to their husbands. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 5, it says, For in this way, that is, with a meek and quiet spirit and all of that, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Now watch. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children, if you do what is right, without being frightened by any fear. Now that's a special place of honor to Sarah. She was an obedient wife. She was a wife who followed God and demonstrated it by uh, calling her husband Lord. So there's another woman that was honored. Someone else that was honored was Hannah. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 28 tells us about Hannah's prayer for her son and how she was honored by giving a son. Lois and Eunice were a couple of more examples. God allowed that their names be recorded as women who raised a son for God. A grandson and a son. Lois and Eunice. They had a, a pure faith. And as a result of that faith, there was a testimony to young Timothy. That's 2 Timothy 1, 5 and 3, 15. Romans chapter 16 is a fascinating text. I was reading through Romans 16 as I was reading through the book of Romans the other day. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, a chapter that just has one name right after another. The whole chapter is the longest chapter of greeting that you have in the New Testament. And you have beginning with uh, verse 1, clear down to almost the end of the chapter. You're just greeting people and greeting people and greeting people, one right after another. It gives us tremendous insight into the heart of the Apostle Paul. But the first verse says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at uh, Centura. Now, Phoebe was honored of the Lord. And she was given a place of real, of real uh, position in the mind of the Apostle Paul. Look at verse 2. That you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. And that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has been a helper of many and of myself as well. Now there's a, a tremendous, tremendous... Uh, uh, honor given to this dear woman of God. Look over, if you will, at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, Indeed, true comrade, I ask that you help those women who have shared my struggle and the cause of the gospel. And then names Clement and the rest of the fellow workers. 
Paul had women that were working and involved. You should always keep that in mind in the process of your theology of the woman in the church. The, the fact that it's not as though the woman in the church was placed on the shelf as, a useless, as useless excess baggage. Uh, they were greatly honored in the church. And that's why, of course, we're told that we're to honor the widows. Another, another woman that was honored was the choice lady in Second John. Um, and uh, th then in uh, Mark chapter 12, I remember the story of the widow and how Christ honored uh, that widow. Uh, Mark chapter 14, a harlot that Christ honored. And uh, uh, Luke 10, Mary is going to be remembered. In fact, I'm talking about her right now. And that's fulfillment of Scripture. Isn't that interesting? Scripture says that down the line in the church, that, they're, that they will remember, they'll mention the name of Mary because of the sacrifice she made upon the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so she is honored. Dorcas was honored. And her honor came by being raised uh, from the dead. So those are, are some women that, are, that are, are, are honored because of their character. And I think that it's a real fulfillment of this that is given to us in verse 16 of, Pro of Proverbs 11. Psalm 112 and verse 6 says this, For he will never be shaken. <clears throat> the righteous will be remembered forever. The righteous will be remembered forever. If everybody else forgets, God won't. You can be sure of that. But people that are seeking after honor don't really understand or know what they're after. If they are seeking after it by climbing this way, then they're going to be abased. If you're going down, down, down and allowing God to build into your life character and living for God so that righteousness and justice and mercy and truth are part of your whole system, then ultimately you will be honored by God. Now, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, we've already seen. But again, let's just mention that honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. That is the, the key to the whole thing. The humble in spirit are going to be eventually exalted. But now, all of this fits with the parallel part of the verse. You can't you can't just take that little part in isolation. It fits together with something else. A woman, by inner beauty, will have an impact on society. A man of might, a man of strength, a ruthless man, can only get riches. Anything else is really phony. And he can. I can, I can tell you right now, you can get rich by ruthlessness. It's been proven throughout history. The pirates that operated in the Caribbean for many, many years became wealthy. Wealthy, wealthy men. Uh, I uh, read a number of years ago a book, somebody uh, uh, gave me a copy, that told the, uh, the story, at least supposedly the story, behind the whole Hearst uh, in, inheritance. And boy, I tell you, that whole thing is quite a story. If, if everything in that book is true, then, uh, and you know, you never know what, what to believe anymore with things that are written, I'll tell you, you know, talk about, talk about uh, tainted money. Wow. But they got rich. And they're still rich. And as the world looks at it, it appears as though they get a certain amount of honor. <laughs> but the honor they have is short-lived. Because the ultimate honor that they need to have is an honor with God and that doesn't exist. But they have the money. You talk about some of these mafia characters, you know. They gain wealth. And uh, sometimes it backfires, you know. You have a, a DeLorean that loses everything in the process of trying to gain. You read that. Watch carefully. If you look at that, you'll discover something. The DeLorean car was an ego trip. He didn't need any more money. He wasn't trying to get rich anymore. He was trying to get honor. See? He was willing to spend his fortune to get honor. Imagine having a car named after you. But you see, 
It brought him to shame, ultimately. Now he's in dishonor. That's the way it works. You can count on it. But here's the individual going after the honor, and he's not going to, not going to make it. Now, Moffat translation perhaps does the best job of presenting the contrast of any of the translations I could find at least. Here's what it says. A charming woman wins respect. High-handed men win only wealth. Riches, honor. You get your riches, now you want your honor. Men that have so much, you know, some of these millionaires have more money they can ever spend. Now they're going after the honor. But they're not going to attain honor that way. The person with character is the one that will attain honor. Even if it's a woman. See, that's the part of the contrast. Because it's a woman versus a man. Now, the, the result is then that we have strong men. We'll have to talk about who the strong man is next week. Because our time just ran out. So we'll start there next week and uh, see what that word strong and why why it's translated strong sometimes and why Moffat translates it high-handed and why I've used the word ruthless. Uh, you'll discover why that is next week. Now Lord, just be with us as we go our several ways. We go with a recognition that you are Lord and Father, in everything we do today, help us to live in utter dependence upon you. Humble us before you. Help us to see you in all of your beauty, all of your glory. And help us, Lord, to realize that we are undone. That we are sinful men. And that we dwell in the midst of a sinful world. And help us to realize how desperately we need you to take the live coal from off the altar and anoint our lips throw us in utter dependence upon you. Help us to realize how, how desperately we need you every moment, every day. Help us not to live in pride and independence, but rather in humility and dependence upon you. We'll praise you for it. In Christ's precious name, amen.